Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra chapter two, called Going Home. show you one more even though it's tough to take it's called the book of lamentations for a reason it's a lot of lamenting over what happened in Jerusalem as they were taken off as Nebuchadnezzar came with his forces and destroyed uh, took captives and ultimately destroyed the temple and there's a little good news in this one after a little bit more difficulty lamentations 315 he writes he has filled me with bitterness he has made me drunk with wormwood He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished and so is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, 22. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone, be silent, since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord, please note it, will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according, please notice, to his abundant loving kindness. This list in Ezra chapter 2, as you turn back there, is a list of people that God loves. A list of captives that came home. There's a big list of captives that came home in heaven. Jesus said to the apostles when they had come back excitedly because they were able to cast out demons and do other things in his name. And Jesus said to them, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And in some ways, I think this list of names, and it's interesting when you know, some of us have finally gotten serious about our Bibles and we made this proclamation, I'm going to read through my Bible. I'm reading it from Genesis to Revelation, every page. I'm not skipping anything. And then we got to Leviticus. <laughs> and then we got to these genealogical lists in some of the Old Testament books. And we were like, who and what? And how do you pronounce that name? And they were easy to skip over. What's the reason for these genealogical lists in our Bible? Some people would say, some scholars would say, the list in Ezra 2 is a list for land rights. So that when people return to Jerusalem, they could claim their land, maybe. And that might be even a secondary reason for the list. But the list is a record of faithful captives who went home. I'm coming home to the place where I belong. You see, this is what these captives did. They said, my heart is stirred. And even if I become 
somewhat prosperous and even comfortable in Babylon. This is not my home. And Christians often say, we're only passing through. This is not our home. Our home is with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be what? At home with the Lord. Home is such a precious word, isn't it? We've had a family home for over a couple of decades now, and there's so many memories in that, in that home. It's a precious place. Not because of the mortar or the concrete or the wood. Not because of the address on the curb. But because of what it represents. And heaven is heaven because our Father is there. God is there. The one that we were separated from by our sin. See, sin causes us to be captives. And the consequences of our sin is death. But our great deliverer, the one who sets the captives free, Isaiah 61, the, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me and he has anointed me to set the captives free, to open the prison doors. And Jesus' first coming indeed was to accomplish that. And foretastes of that were given as he opened the eyes of the blinds and he caused the lame to walk and he's unstopped deaf ears and touched lepers and raised the dead. And all of these were foretastes of how the prison doors open. I think of Lazarus's tomb when Jesus did the unthinkable. His miracles were amazing, but four days his friend Lazarus was dead and the prison cell of death, if you will, was opened up by the powerful voice of Jesus. He sets the captives free. In fact, Jesus is pictured in Moses. When Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go, that was he was, Moses was the lesser prophet, and he spoke of a greater prophet who would come, the ultimate deliverer, the lamb with his own blood, if you will, Jesus who sets the captives free. Now, don't get nervous because Pastor Michael has done a long introduction because I'm not going to read every name in this genealogical list. But I want to tell you that these are the people, some would say, that had the pioneer spirit to go back. These were the ones that knew that it was going to be an effort because they were going back to rubble. They were going back to destruction. They were going back to decimation. They went back with a passion to rebuild. And sometimes it's easier, let's just be honest, to send somebody else. And apparently 98% of the Jewish population said, you go. We'll give an offering. We'll pray for you, but you go. But this group of people, which represents around 50,000 people, as we'll see in a moment. About a third of the population of Corona went back to the promised land. They went back there. And some of you who have had a, a chance to visit Israel, it's kind of an interesting thing because there's, there's all these apologetic benefits to going to Israel. And some people say when you go to Israel once, it's like a two-year Bible education and I'll let you, you know, make your own decision on that. But when you go, there's something about that land. Uh, you, for those of you who have been there, you, you sense an affinity with that land if you're a believer and with the people. And it's an interesting thing because uh, from all over the world, if you've watched some programs in the last five, ten years, there are people who uh, have had their DNA tested and they, they've had this uh, verification that they have Jewish blood and they've returned to the promised land. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that 
that return to the promised land was only opened up in 1948 when a proclamation was made that Israel could come back to the land. And in 67, they recaptured Jerusalem and the captives have been going home. I was born in the 60s and about the time of my birth is when Jerusalem uh, was recaptured and, and the captives have been streaming back. And Israel has blossomed again, which is what Ezekiel 37 says, 36 and 37. Uh, and those chapters lead up to some end times uh, information or uh, revelation. Now Ezra 2.2 says, these came, these uh, ones who went up with Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the uh, civil leader and Joshua was the high priest. We'll come back to them in a second. You'll see some other names. Nehemiah. This is not the same Nehemiah that would rebuild the walls. Uh, he would lead the rebuilding of the walls 90 years later. So it's just somebody with his same name. You have Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai. This is not the Mordecai that is prominent in the book of Esther. Not the same guy. Uh, people often had uh, same names named after uh, previous family members. I'm a Michael. There's obviously a lot of Michaels in the world. There's Bill Sean, Miss Parr, Big Vi, Rehum, and Bana, the number of the men of the people of Israel. Now, in verse 2, you have the leaders of the expedition. And at the head of the list is Zerubbabel and Jeshua. Another way to say his name is Joshua. Zerubbabel is the governor. Joshua is the high priest. The civil leader and the religious leader come arm in arm to undertake the expedition back to the promised land. And these two men are prominent in the books of Haggai and Zechariah. In fact, you could write down Haggai 1.1 where you'll get uh, a cross-reference to Joshua the high priest. Zerubbabel, his name means seed of Babel or born in Babel. And that's, uh, that means that he was likely born in the captivity is my take on that. The civil leader, Zerubbabel. The spiritual leader or religious leader, Joshua. Two men come together to lead the captives back home. There's been a lot of talk uh, in recent days about religious and political leadership. And it was mentioned in the 633 we did uh, sometimes this phrase, the separation of church and state, comes up. That's not in the Constitution. It's not in the First Amendment. In fact, that was voiced uh, as something that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association, ensuring them that the state would not try to dictate their worship and make them a certain denomination. So you need to know that when that was first spoken, it was to keep the state out of the church, not the church out of the state. However, there are healthy differences or lines to be drawn, if you will, uh, between the church and the state. God has made the church as an organism with its own leadership, its own government. The government of the church is elders and pastors and so forth and deacons. You have the state, the governing authorities. We've looked at Romans 13 in recent weeks. And you have the family. And the head of the family is the dad and the mom. Well, we'd like to invite you to our special 633 called Why Does God Allow Evil with Dr. Clay Jones. Man, the content is amazing. Things that we really need to hear about how we put 
our suffering in perspective. What does the Bible say about this? How do we work through the problem of evil? Why does God allow evil? What happened to this planet? So many intriguing questions that we all need to know. Every worldview needs to wrestle with the problem of evil. Special 633 event called Why Does God Allow Evil with Dr. Clay Jones. I know you're going to be blessed by the content. It's happening on June the 14th. You can find out information when you go to walkintruth.com. This will live stream on our YouTube channel. So make sure you click on the church tab and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. 633. June the 14th. Why does God allow evil? We'll see you there. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. So you need to know that when that was first spoken, it was to keep the state out of the church, not the church out of the state. However, there are healthy differences or lines to be drawn, if you will, uh, between the church and the state. God has made the church as an organism with its own leadership, its own government. The government of the church is elders and pastors and so forth and deacons. You have the state, the governing authorities. We've looked at Romans 13 in recent weeks. And you have the family. And the head of the family is the dad and the mom. And so here you have the two coming together. And this is something I want to put before you. And it struck me as I was studying this passage. And you're going to have to turn to one more place to find it. It's in Zechariah, which is the second to the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah and then Malachi. We affectionately know it in Italian as Malachi. All right, we're going to go to Zechariah. And we're going to take a look at, and this is something I want you to see. And the books of Haggai and Zechariah have great relevance to the book of Ezra. And I want you to see something of, of this. What is going on behind these two leaders is spiritual warfare. When we did the prayer meeting here over the weekend, one of our members had on their heart to share from Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 and following the armor of God. And they pointed out, they read that our, our, um, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And that scripture was shared. And it's always important to remember that there's a battle behind the battle. And this is why, brethren, it is so important that we pray. In fact, at the end of Ephesians 6, Paul says, pray with all petitions at all times for all the saints. One of the pieces of the armor that's often not really even known is prayer. Prayer is the seventh piece of armor that holds it all together, if you will. And we need to pray. And I want you to see something. This is Zechariah 3. Verse 1. Now remember, these prophets are prophesying in the backdrop of the events of Ezra and Nehemiah. 
Zechariah 3, 1 and 2 says, Then he showed me Joshua, that's the guy we saw in Ezra 2, 2, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Many believe that's Jesus in the Old Testament. And Satan standing at his right hand to what? To accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord has chosen Jerusalem, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? You could say Joshua is being plucked from the fire of captivity. He's being used by God. Joshua the high priest is standing there. The angel of the Lord is standing there. If that's indeed Jesus, and I think it is, he ever lives to intercede for us. Satan accuses, but the Lord rebukes him. Because the Lord has chosen this man to be an instrument. And it turns out that he's one of the olive trees that the Lord will use in the rebuilding of the temple and the restoration of Jerusalem. You see, behind the battle is another battle. Look at the very next chapter. This is Zechariah 4, verse 5. I want you to see now the other leader that we've just met. We saw Joshua in 3.1. And here's Zerubbabel in chapter 4. We'll see him in verse 7. The angel, Zechariah 4, 5, who was speaking with me, answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, verse 6, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we've quoted that before, but we may not have realized that that word that was given to Zerubbabel had to do with the rebuilding of the temple and the return to, of Jerusalem, to Jerusalem by the captives under these leaders. And the enemy of our souls, the enemy of God's people was trying to oppose it, but the Lord was there. The Lord's plan would move forward. But it wouldn't go forward by might. It would not go forward by power. It would go forward by my spirit, says the Lord. That spirit who lives in us, the Holy Spirit of God. What are you, O great mountain? Because Zerubbabel has your spirit. Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. And he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Also, the word of the Lord came to me saying, The hands of Zerubbabel, he's the governor, have laid the foundation of this house. And his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. I want you to see back to Ezra chapter 2. Brothers and sisters, that behind the battle is the battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And what we accomplish is not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. This is why we need to suit up. This is why we need to walk in the spirit. We've been studying the fruits of the spirit in uh, Galatians chapter 5. This is why we need God's power. Now back to Ezra chapter 2. And let me just give you a quick helicopter view of the names. In verses 3 through 20 of Ezra 2, there's a list of families that returned. These are family names and the numbers represented by these families. These may be families who had homes that were in Jerusalem, right in the holy city of God. You have uh, names and lists. You can see that the names begin with Parash and a number, 2,172. Skip down to verse 13. You have Adonakem with a scary number, 666. You have in verse 14, Bigvi. I guess he was a big guy. You have 2,056. There's no audience to maybe laugh for my weak jokes up here, but anyway. 
And you can see the rest all the way down through verse 20, the names of families and the numbers that returned with them. In verses 21 through 35, giving you helicopter view and headings for you to write down in your notes, verses 21 through 35 are those returning according to their cities. These could be the people who lived outside of Jerusalem. We have the men of Bethlehem, a city, of course, very famous, 123. 22, the men of Netophath, Netophah, 56, the men of Anathoth, 128. Let me just read a comment by Dr. J. Vernon McGee. He pauses here in a short commentary of Ezra chapter 2 and says, You will remember that in Jeremiah's day, the weeping prophet who saw the uh, captivity occur, in Jeremiah's day, the people were on the verge of being carried away into captivity. Uh, I would not call his purchase of some land at that time a good investment in real estate, would you? But he bought land in Anathoth. When Jeremiah bought the land, it did not look as though Israel had a future. But God had him buy the land as a sign that Judah would be restored. Jeremiah's act of this purchase was one of faith. God promised that his people would return to the land, and they did. And the the men of Anathoth, verse 23, had a sealed lawful claim to the land because Jeremiah had purchased it and given it to them. Reading from the commentary. They were going back to claim their possessions. You can read about this story in Jeremiah 32, especially verses 1 through 18. Jeremiah made a purchase of land in the midst of knowing that the people would go away into a 70-year captivity. And someone would say, why would you buy the land? Why even bother? You won't see it. But Jeremiah bought it in faith as an act of saying, we'll be back. As ugly as this scene is now, we'll be back. And boy, that resonates with my heart right now. We'll be back. We're coming home. You've been listening to Going Home, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra Chapter 2. Remember, you can watch a video of this message on walkintruth.com. Hey, we have a free 633 event this Sunday with guest speaker Dr. Clay Jones. Dr. Jones will be helping you answer the question you may have heard someone ask, or maybe they've asked you, why does God allow evil? Now, this free event has limited space because of social distancing regulations. So if you'd like to come, we have a registration form. It's first come, first serve. So please register today. Visit walkintruth.com. And if you're not in Southern California this weekend, don't worry. You can still watch the live stream of this Sunday's event. So make sure you're subscribed to our Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, my friends, as we think about uh, this idea of going home and the hope that we have in Jesus, I know that our world is hurting in so many different ways. And, you know, what happened with a, uh, a situation with George Floyd and that, that sad situation and uh, what's, what's happened in the aftermath of that is, uh, is hurting many people. I know there's many hearts that are hurting, and I know that there's a lot of people who are crying out for justice and trying to peacefully protest, and, and, and that is admirable. But others who are trying to take advantage of this and you know use it to steal and loot and burn 
And even some people have died as a result of this. And trying to just use it uh, for their own purposes is a shame and it's a tragedy. And we as the church, we need to be praying right now and praying that the Lord would use our voices to say, you know, if we want healing, and we all do, and there's, there's many people who want, you know, us to move forward as a culture. You know, I had one of my sons tell me very profoundly, if we want to see change, let's be like Jesus, who reached out to people who were different from him, who showed love and justice perfectly mingling in one individual, the God-man Jesus. You know, if change is going to come, it's going to be because Christ is living through us as the church, whether we're black, white, brown, or yellow. We are all one in his sight. And I pray that the church can come together and uh, that we can be a voice of hope, of love, of truth, of justice, of healing, all the things I think that we would all desire. Sometimes it's hard when, you know, all, all the voices are coming out and there's so many different things to consider. Uh, this is a good time to go back and say, Lord, would you just live through me so I can respond the way you did and the way you would? Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. I pray that you are well, that the Lord blesses you and keeps you, that his beautiful face shines upon you. It'll grant you shalom peace, even in the midst of some very taxing and troubling times. I pray that he'll be the anchor of your soul. And we'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. And one more thing. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation is so appreciated. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra chapter two called Going Home. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.